thanks to all of you in the States, across the globe, and all the ships at sea for tuning in to this, your new favorite show, The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour. I'm, of course, your host, Jason Rutledge. So, we're now halfway through Series 2. Um, what do you think? You liking the show so far? Uh, anybody get all hot and bothered about the bees episode, for example? Uh, think we should go on sedatives? Just let us know. Uh, drop us a line anytime at autopilot at smoothrillsradiohour.com or, of course, DM us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So in this episode, we're talking about a milestone movie from 1990, the days before YouTube, Instagram, Twitch streaming, and all the rest. It is Pump Up the Volume. Christian Slater, Samantha Mathis, an exploration of fame, parasocial relationships, and freedom of speech. Uh, Nathan, Katie Jetpacks, and Joe are back with us, of course, transmitting to the studio from their respective satellite hideouts high above the surface of the Earth. So let's get on with the show. The countdown has already started. Joe, are, are your cats done? Have the cats finished up? Yeah, he's drinking some water. He's done. Okay, good. Oh, he's, yeah. It's understandable. <laughs> okay, so. Gotta recharge. With, with that out of the way, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour. Hi. Series 2. We're taking you back to 1990. Now, this was pre-internet, or at least what we think of now as the internet. Access was spotty, and it wasn't a, a thing everybody could get into. Mostly, we still communicated by, believe it or not, writing letters, exchanging cassette tapes, and occasionally setting up a pirate radio station, which is what happened here. I miss these days. In the the great, mighty and magnificent, pump up the volume. August 22nd, 1990, I was going into my first year of college. Like on that actual day? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I was three years old. Uh, This was a pretty well-received movie when it came out. Uh, normally, the movies we talk about on the show disappeared off the face of the planet about a week after being released, but this is one exception. It did fairly well in the theaters, unlike the director's later movies, uh, Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag, mm. and uh, the unfortunately and criminally undermarketed Empire Records. I still need oh, really? Yes. Did... Are you not a fan? Oh, no, not at all. Okay, me neither. Let's, cool. We're not talking about that oh, one anyway, so we're okay. Yeah. Well, that's just, this is the first time I've ever heard anybody even say that, because most of the time, Empire oh, Records is classic. put on a yeah, pedestal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, everybody loves it. I fucking yeah. hate. But I love Pump Up the Volume. But what? But Maxwell Caulfield, though, mm-hmm. that, he is good in it. Well, but other than that. To brighten your spirits, Joe, let's, there's a few other movies that got released into theaters at the same time as Pump Up the Volume, which were Arachnophobia, uh, Flatliners, Die Hard 2, Dark Man, Wild at Heart, Something mm. Called Back to the Future 3, uh, mm. Robocop 2, the equally as criminally underrated Quick Change, Yes, which if yes. you're a Bill Murray fan is a must-see, uh, the not-must-see Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Well, I, but, 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 no, 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 that is a must-see, that is a must-see. And of what course the, continue. Charlie does a good dice. Adventures of Ford Fairlane, and of course the... Now classic, Delta Force 2, The Columbian Connection. Yes. <laughs> That's also a must-see. Thank you. The movie actually made money. It had one of the best soundtracks to get released that year. It's hard to find now, Good but one. if you can, 
pick it up. Oh, it's I need to get the vinyl. Get the vinyl. It, this is this movie has a deep and rich soundtrack to it. It could have been a triple album had they put everything on there. Mm. Right. Yeah. So this it's, was my introduction to the Pixies, Leonard Cohen. Sure. Like, but there's no Cohen on the album um, now. That's yeah, that's sad. true. There's, but in the movie, the movie was yeah, right, my introduction. Right, right. And you had the yeah, Concrete I mean, Blonde cover. Concrete Blonde cover. Song, yeah. But, which, which is like awesome one of the too. greatest cover of all, like, it's yes. fantastic cover. This is true. This movie to me also really was the definite nail in the final coffin of the John Hughes era of teenage high school movies, which I think was finally dead. in the records? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's the, I think it's the first six minutes into this movie when uh, Christian Slater starts fake masturbating. I was thinking, yep. John Hughes has pretty much had his day in the sun. But that's well, he was, over now. He was doing movies with kids at that point, anyway. Yeah, younger. He, so that's he well. Curly that. Sue was still Curly Sue fresh in theaters. And yeah, but, but I, you know what? I first saw it. I thought it was stale. What Curly Sue? Yeah. Anyway, next. Oh, that was a joke. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the director, by the way? I think Alan my, Moyle. Fr- my Alan screen froze again. Mm. That's great. Alan. Director Alan Moyle, he wrote and directed this film. That he did. But I'm also surprised because with that name, he th- I thought he would have cut it as well. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Mm-mm. You saw that one coming, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. An ongoing saw theme in this movie. Like a bee. And one of the reasons I picked it was well, now, <laughs> nowadays in the age of like YouTube streamers and Twitch streamers, there's a lot of what we call parasocial relationships get developed where audience thinks they know the person on the other end of that screen, but they really don't. This is even Mark here is putting on a persona of happy Harry hard on that. Is is it him? It's not really him. It's a version of him. It's a character. Yeah. Nora finds him and believes this is the guy. Cause he has the blackjack gun. Cause he has the blackjack. And because he's in the stairwell at lunch. And then yeah, he, he kind of gave himself away there. Yeah. But it, it is a weird sort of relationship. Can be very destructive. Maybe it works out. Maybe you make friends with your fans. Maybe you hang out with your fans. Or maybe you don't want to have anything to do with them. And throughout this movie, Mark X absolutely shocked. Shocked, I say, that any of this is happening to him. But he, he had to have known what he was getting into when he started this show. No. He does. Well, let's see this way. He starts it off. Well, he also makes the comment that he, yeah, because he makes the comment that he didn't even think anybody would be right. listening right. to yeah. it. He just felt that it was his way. Well, I would, I would, to be able I would call bullshit talk. on. Him. He was, he was trying to like his parents got it right. for him to communicate with his yeah. friends back east, which I guess they were super busy. Or like, sorry, dude, we can't get your hand radio waves over here. <laughs> well, I, ca- I would call bullshit <laughs> on Mark for this. It's nineteen. I call bullshit bro. on Mark for this, and I have a reason for it. I would start this first clip, which sets up the whole movie and his reason for doing the show in the first place. Dear Harry, I think you're boring and obnoxious and have a high opinion of yourself. Of course, some of you are probably thinking I sent this one to myself. I think school is okay if you just look at it right. I mean, I like your music, but I really just don't see why you can't be cheerful for one second. I'll tell you, since you asked, uh, I just arrived in this stupid suburb. I have no friends, no money, license and even if I did have a license all I could do is drive out to some stupid mall maybe if I'm lucky play some fucking video games smoke a joint and get stupid you see there's nothing to do anymore everything decent's been done 
done. All the great themes have been used up, turned into theme parks. So I don't really find it exactly cheerful to be living in the middle of a totally, like, exhausted decade where there's nothing to look forward to and no one to look up to. That was deep. <sighs> First off, totally a wasted decade where everything good has been done and it's all hopeless. Who can relate to that now? No. And we were talking about that now. in 1990. But there's a couple of things going on here. First, we're introduced to all our major players later on, including Malcolm, who looks like he lives in an oversized closet. Really depressing. Still, Polly yeah. Shore. <laughs> Nora, we get all of his listeners. And this is where I start thinking he had to have known because he's already getting letters from listeners. Now, anybody who's done anything in media knows perfectly well how hard it is to get any correspondence out of listeners at all. Does it? I have a question. But does it say at any point in the film how it long he's been into it? It doesn't. But he's, he's implying that he just got because there. So it couldn't have been that long. I would guess like a month or something he's been doing this. But he's still, even if it's been a bit, when he's speaking about thinking mm-hmm. it was never going to be what it was, he could have been talking about it in a, in not yeah. a hypothetical way, but like, oh, when I started it, I didn't think that this was going to go anywhere. Right. Granted, that's not where it's at now when we're watching the film, but I mean. To Jason's point, too, I thought was interesting uh, to call bullshit on him, then now that I'm thinking about it, why would he go yeah. set up a PO box? Well, I did right. this. If he wasn't, well, that's what I am saying. We don't know how long it well, is. I'll say this is a different address for the re- for the phone. So yeah, yeah, it was yeah. planned out. The receiver. Yeah, sure. Well, right. that was just but covering my his first ass year case. out of college is when the Zine Revolution started, and we were all publishing small press magazines, which I did for a couple of years. We had a good circulation, but we received in that in the two years that that magazine was out, we received two letters from readers. This guy is getting letters all the time from his listeners. That was not common. He but had there's to a know connection, though. He had to know he was making a connection with these people. Right. Had to. Because yeah. they feel like they can confess to him he's one of their own. Mm-hmm. No one else would listen to him. They can't talk to their parents. They can't talk to anyone at school. Right. He's... Really? Their voice. But couldn't that have been... Or this could be just suspension of disbelief for <laughs> a little bit. And also, too, he knew at the time that that's something that he mm. would have wanted. Because he knew that he didn't want to go to his parents right. for anything. And that he had a hard oh, time God. connecting Everyone, Everyone's parents in this movie so, are useless. And this actually reminds me well, of shit Heathers, his character in Heathers. Because mm. he has that same kind of parallel with his father, it yeah. seems like. So when Scott Pollan comes into it... And it almost felt like I, yeah. I just watched Heather's again recently and it felt like I was watching yeah. that again for a moment because it's like the disconnection. He's the new kid in town. Sure. Well, his relationship with his dad and Heather's was really bizarre. Oh yeah. No, that was, that was toxic. Yes. <laughs> and very sarcastic. Yeah. yeah but we're, we're calling each other father yeah. and son. It was yeah. Very strange. But it, it was that same. Can we do an episode on Heather? So no. I'll finally watch. Yes, um, we could do that. But you should just watch <laughs> it anyway. What? Anyway, I thought you were going to say something. I did. Okay. Just a moment ago. No, he, he has set up a post office box. <laughs> he has set up a phone number. He's getting calls, getting letters, and he's getting his word out there. And this is something else that brought back memories for me is when he starts playing the, this tape of The Descendants. 
that was really the only way you got introduced to new music from anywhere back then. Because if it wasn't on MTV, you were getting it through tape trades. You were yeah. getting it through cassettes yeah. in the mail. Your radio what, wasn't going to play it. That's what I miss when when you go back and you watch this and you see his bedroom. Yeah. And he's got all these stacks of bootleg tapes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Henry and, Rollins and Camper yeah. Van Beethoven and all that and stuff. And that was, we did that same thing, basically. You didn't have a choice. No. But it was also that, and plus the kid on the school ground selling copies of his yeah. broadcasts for five dollars is out. Five dollars is outrageous. It was like remixes that I did, but it was it wasn't bootleg stuff. Wait, wait a second, Ed. Was it ten? He was charging ten dollars originally, yeah. and only once he mentioned he he was he told a kid ten bucks, and then well, you know as well as I do, five. those blank cassettes, so, those little Sertron cassettes you got three in a pack from Walmart mm-hmm. were like a dollar a piece. Or those something are shit like brand that. though. They are. Yeah. And you could look at the tape and it'd be brown and then be clear <laughs> and it'd be brown. Times. And you're like, ah, probably not going to get the whole song on here. Yeah. Yeah. I got a whole box of them up right up there. But yeah. But that was fun to watch because you knew they were not going to get this from anyone else except for this guy. Right. He was the connection. The schoolyard so connection. It's, it's a little surprise that they latched onto him so quickly because there was nothing else. Well, obviously, I mean, they say there's nothing going on in this hmm. shit town. So, uh, you know, they're the, then the word of a pirate radio station with a, a high schooler mm-hmm. is yeah. going to is going to spread like what? How far are the areas that you guys grew up in? Uh, my For high me, s- not that not like this, but I don't think this seems as such a shit beat town as they describe it. It, it isn't, you know. Well, I just I grew I yeah. my last two years of high school were in a really shit beat town that. My graduating class was like a hundred more than I had people like it was small. There was nothing to do. Like, I don't know. I just. Yeah, you get the idea, though. I mean, it's very similar. I think they mentioned the student body at Paradise Hills High School here is about twelve hundred total. It still is bigger than where I went to school. Yeah, it seems pretty damn populated. And Mm. it's like there's a lot to do in town, but people just aren't doing it. There's I don't know. They're all bored with humanity. I don't know. Early on in this movie, we are introduced to our first primary villain, which is David Deavers, the luckless the high Deeves. school guidance counselor. And this is something that didn't I didn't pick up on for whatever reason until maybe the third or fourth time I'd watched this movie was his treatment of Cheryl. We get the letter that he sent to the to the principal saying Cheryl refuses to accept a suggestion of a more positive mental attitude toward her health and future. Cheryl is pregnant. Is he suggesting, the high school guidance counselor suggesting that she get an abortion to stay in high school? I think he is. It's sure as shit what it sounded That's like. That's what I took it as. he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And Harry knows it. Well, yeah. and they're also dancing around the yeah. wording instead right, of just being exactly. like, hey, yeah. get an abortion. They're like, why don't yeah. you just try it's to make your life politics. better? So early on, we also get his call to Malcolm. That was sad. It's not handled well, but how well could you expect a, a high schooler to really handle that situation? In that environment. Well, the thing is, is I think he yeah. didn't think it was going to be an issue. And I think in hindsight, you can say, oh, I would have handled that differently if you know sure. what the outcome is going to be. Which he does say, right? I mean, but mm-hmm. he pushes mm-hmm. the envelope. He acknowledges that. But this happened. Mm-hmm. This happens pretty early in the movie. And even then, because, he yeah. still seemed shocked that people are listening to him and taking him seriously. Yeah. He has that disconnect all the way through. A question, do you think he actually would have done it had he not been contacted? Uh, I kind of think it was going that direction regardless. 
we wouldn't have known about it because it wouldn't have been a plot point. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was because like he, whenever he got the call, I mean, he was already okay. in tears. That was the night yeah. it was going to happen. Whether or not the call and came through, he was doing it. He, I know that like in the mindset, if we can get into, we get into the suicide for a second, it, it, his mindset, he's already decided mm -hmm. he doesn't want help. He has his plan. He and, knows what's going down. And even Mark makes this statement. So he's not going to try and right. prove that, you know, he's being real to this guy, on to this happy Harry Hardon. He's like, uh, you know, I wrote you a letter. I gave you my number. You're reaching yeah. out, but I'm too far gone. You should have called and me And even yesterday. Mark says, you know, it's not like I asked him, or it's not like I told him not to do it. But like you said, even at that point, that probably still wouldn't He already had the gun. He already he had made the up bullets. his mind. Yeah. And for that matter, he's calling for advice from a guy who just fake masturbated on the radio twice Yeah. No. before this happened. But the thing is, is they know he is a mm -hmm. high schooler, so they want somebody like-minded right. that they can go to. Somebody that's going to see it how they see it instead of going to an adult that's just going to say, oh, well, just wait until yeah. you're older. It'll get Be better. Happy. Yeah. But I felt also like that phone call may have, I, I, I mean, yeah, he was going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that almost made it solidified having that last contact with him. I mean, because like everything he, he was saying was basically echoing. Like that's right. almost like. I think he wrote it as like a last, yeah. a last cry for help. I don't think he was, mm -hmm. his mind was made up when he wrote that letter. And, but by the time that contact was made back to him, like you said, he was already checked out. He was, he knew what was going to happen. There's typically a point of no return if your mind is already made up. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I'm speaking on a topic that I really know nothing about. Well, it's, yeah, it's speculative. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, yeah, it's just, it's definitely one of those that should be handled so, with care. So, That's so far, Mark has there. developed this weird relationship yeah. with our random audience members who sit in cars out in the, out in the football field. And cheer and, and cheer. overact a bit. Uh, <laughs> up to sure. a point, Malcolm. It's Billy Morris that. And, and yes. And then... Our big one, our big parasocial relationship really, in this movie is with Nora. I don't like Nora. I think her character was annoying. I thought her character was we a, a Nora. Okay, we, have, we have a clip here of their first interaction and how and how this played You're out. You're welcome. Your jokes make me Nora. Now, all my horny listeners, get one hand free because... Yes, the eat me, beat me lady is back. Come in. Every night you enter me like a criminal. You break into my brain, but you're no ordinary criminal. You put your feet up and you pop a Pepsi. You, you start, start to party. party. You turn up my stereo. Songs I've never heard, but I move anyway. You get me crazy. I say do it. I don't care what, just do it. Jam me, jack me, push me, pull me, talk hard. I like that. Talk hard. I like the idea that a voice can just go somewhere uninvited. Just kind of hang out like a dirty thought in a nice clean mind. Maybe a thought is like a virus, you know, it can, it can kill all the healthy thoughts and just take over. That would be serious. Mm, that would be totally yeah. serious. I know that all of my horny listeners would love it if I would call up Feet Me, Beat Me Lady, but no! 
because she never encloses her number. Tough luck, creepoid. Always the same red paper. Same beautiful black writing. Hmm. Probably a lot like me. Legend in her own mind. <laughs> filthy. Just filthy. I think that this is the that's the only stuff that really makes me kind of uh hmm. I hate to use the word, but like cringe at the movie. I think it's just because I don't care for poetry. Is that poetry? <laughs> I don't like poetry and like it just it's very strange. <laughs> what are you doing? Nathan? Well, I can't You're to be fair, the, the, the um, letters I would get when I was running the magazine sometimes were very similar to this. What the hell am I supposed to make out of this thing? It's not penthouse. You'd be shocked what kind of letters you get when you people if you give people an address to send it to. I guess when you think you're writing to a faceless right. entity, it's easy to put whatever out there. It's no different than how people deal with Twitter and mm -hmm. Facebook and all of that now, because you do have that level of anonymity. I always struggle with that but you always have that level, so you don't have to worry about it ever coming back to you. So you can just say whatever because there's no. Ah, true. Well, luckily back then too, it didn't really have the um, the footprint that it does now. To where in ten years yeah. you're doing something cringy on the internet. Yeah. That's well, yeah, but I mean, in the, ass. in the context <laughs> of this film, there's nothing to say that those yeah, yeah. those tapes weren't going to make it somewhere. Someone kept all of those tapes. Yeah. And they were broadcasting <laughs> oh, yeah. across state lines. He burned hey, a lot of the seen, stuff, too. I, here's another movie. Have you seen uh, Shut Up, Little Man? It's on Amazon. Um, it's fucking great documentary. Basically, they were, uh, there's a pair mm -hmm. of older guys in the apartment next door to them, and they were constantly fighting and just, like, very comedically abusive to each other. And uh, it was constant. Shut up, little man! And uh, they recorded mm. it without their permission and started like it was it mm. was on the tape underground train. You know, it was part of that. And uh, and it kind of just blew up and it became sure. even you never know so where this stuff's going to go. Hit, like this, the thing with Malcolm blows up early in the movie. And that's when the news people start descending on it and declaring that their formerly peaceful community, literally. which never had any problems before, has been invaded by this outside agitator who's stirring things up. Riling the kids up. I do. <laughs> Obviously, from the East I do Coast. find it hilarious how much is gone into finding him and stopping him, like yeah. helicopters. Uh, like except it just, for the one yeah. fact. Yeah, it's like the fugitive. Well, here, to, yeah. except he for the one that. thing that he mentions, my parents got me this ham radio set so I could talk to my friends back east. That would seem to narrow down the list of suspects I awfully know. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but but radio his shack? parents never listened. No. I feel like his parents. Because I thought what about expect, that. What do you expect? You got, you got the FCC Speaking coming in. Speaking of the FCC, and, by and the way. James Hampton. There you go. In, in 1990, up until just like a few that? years ago, if you really wanted to run a radio station, you had to have one of these. Now, we'll put a picture of this up on Instagram or something later on, but this is, this is, my, F, is, this is my FCC license. This is authentic. This was issued oh. to me by the Federal Communications Commission. Yeah, I think it's a. So you can drive FCC one of those trucks license. with that. This authorizes me to operate any radio station, which may be operated by a person holding this license. Do you have to physically still... hold it the whole time you're operating the radio station? No, it has to be posted on a bulletin board at the station. So, yeah, that's why he couldn't. Valid for the lifetime of the, the holder. Radio station, because that's, he couldn't hold yeah. the card and 
at the same time. But they don't issue these anymore, but back in the day you had you were supposed to have one of these things to hmm. operate a radio station legally. I bet you have a copy of Jesus's too. Because <laughs> you're so really? old. <laughs> yeah. Lazy. <laughs> Wait, did you just say Jesus's F? It's so lazy. That's whatever. Yeah. Wait, are you like Don, Don Imus and stuff? Did you ever know when Don Imus got Don Imus got stuck as one of the first VJs on VH1? And what? So, yeah, and so Why? clearly had no idea what he was supposed to be doing. Oh, fuck. Am I? Oh, what am I introducing? Goddamn. It, yeah, it seemed a lot like Snappy that. headed videos. But anyway, Malcolm's situation takes over. They're all hunting for him. Uh, yeah, let's get back Happy to Harry suicide. decides to fight back a little bit. He actually starts telling his audience to take control of their lives and how to be happy. It results in formerly straight-laced Paige taking all her stuff off the walls and blowing up her science oven. Yeah, that... Talk about cringe And then getting inducing. a nose her job out of nowhere? What was that about? And doesn't she start like a... A radio show after all this happens. I think was, yeah. hers is one of the voices at the end. Her though. sitting in the kitchen with like all these, yeah. you know. It is, but it reminded me a lot of several people that I went to high school with that were kind of the same way. It's all performative. It's all an act. Well, yeah, definitely. But it just feels like, uh, mm. like, where was this rage before he came into town? Are they the Stepford children? They had no mindset, mm. no intellect whatsoever until Apparently he came not. in here and stirred shit well, up. Well, some did. Some did. Well, I mean, I, I think that a lot of kids don't. Like, a lot of kids are going to just, you know, do what they're Well, told. I mean, the girl yeah. was pregnant, and so... And they're going to harbor that, clearly that anger. They were doing things that they weren't supposed to be doing. The, the line there got really thin. When the principal yeah. goes full supervillain and just, just expelling people for whatever reason they can possibly think of, Dress code violations. Dress yeah. code yeah. violations in the first week. Allowing kids to get act, one, the guy that actually got beaten up by whatever the superintendent, whatever his job was. I don't know. The guy with all the keys. Mm, yeah. Just before Ellen, Ellen Page gets the Polly Shore. Ellen, what's her name? Ellen Green. Ellen Green. Ellen Green gets fired. Oh. Yeah. So, Ellen generous. Green was also in another movie kind of like this in a way talk radio. Talk radio yeah. You see the same kind of dynamic at work here. You have a guy that goes on the air every night, takes calls, gets letters, and then acts so incredulous about anybody actually listening to anything he's saying and repeating it back to him. Like, what is this crap? How did this happen? Are you serious? Come on. But isn't that just kind of normal human nature? Like, not even necessarily in a radio aspect, but just like anytime you say Mm -hmm. anything... To anyone, and then they come back to you, and they're like, "Oh, by the way, it's like, oh wow, somebody was actually listening to me." Like, well, it's pretty obvious I mean, from I don't the know. beginning. Maybe I just don't feel like anything that comes out of my mouth is worth anything. So well, it's surprising. You see the the uh, the tapes are getting traded. The violent graffiti starts going up everywhere. People spray painting the grass for God's sakes. And a damn FCC van. The FCC vans, and we get Nora actually is the only one that can seemingly Freedom talk sense into him and tries to get it through to him one last time. Look. This is what has been going on. Why don't you understand that? In this clip right here. This is deep. Your message is out there. The truth is a virus. Oh, God. Jesus, something is making me ill. Mark, what is with you? Look, 
Nora, last night was a mistake. I'm, I'm not going on anymore. That's it. It's over. That's you're it. so close. Close to what? To getting your message out. See, this is my life you're screwing around with here, you know? Not anymore, it isn't. This is everyone's life. Mark, you can't leave it like this. People are confused. Well, so am I. Mark. The, the thing is fucked up. No, crazy. no. The world is fucked up. Just like you said, don't, don't you see that you're the voice? You're, you're the voice you were waiting for. You're completely nuts. Yeah, well, you make me nuts. Now go talk to your teacher. I mean, what what did he think he'd been doing this whole time? This, Just this, uh, speaking into a void, the, basically. This is yeah. This is what. No. Yeah. Screaming like, into the void. Screaming no. into the void. Yeah. Think of it as a sixteen-year-old, though. Think of you at that age. <laughs> no, because he was still a forty-year-old. But you get what I'm saying, though. Like when you're younger, you don't <laughs> think about the things that you're saying and doing. And mm. hell, I know a lot of adults that way. Yeah, he just doesn't think mm-hmm. that anything he's doing is having that impact because he's calling bullshit. He never on set out to do it for that reason. He just wanted a way to. And I kind of, yeah. I kind of wonder if, if it wasn't this, then what hey, was he setting out to cabaret. do? Cabaret, except amuse himself. To just have an outlet. It wasn't necessarily to mm. be anything. You, Because deep down, you're going to feel like you want to say it to somebody. You're not able to, but <laughs> screaming it into oh, your pillow isn't yeah. going to help either. You know, like, because you want to, maybe it's going to reach somebody. Okay. You know, it's a message in a bottle. You know, it maybe maybe somebody will hear it. And then the people start to hear it. And, you know, it's I, I, bottles. I've heard that. Too. Is that Please. how you close the argument? Bottles. <laughs> Bottles. But at various points in the movie, he seems to be engaging with the idea of being the messenger. And times like that, he's like, this has gotten out of control. People actually heard what I said. Sort yeah. of thing. Like, he can't have it both ways. You it it either, is a bit uneven. You're right about that. He's, he's got to not say shit or get off the pot at some point, but he's he's got to take ownership of this. I, I think that he, he probably... Mm didn't Mm. think it would get that way and that he would have to um, show himself like he wouldn't have to actually talk to anybody. Cause I mean, obviously from what we see, he has a very hard time talking to anyone. And it's, and it doesn't even seem like it's just because I'm in a new town in general. It's like, he has like a a disorder of some kind or something. Something's going on there. We don't really know because we don't know anything about him, uh, his East Coast lifestyle. Mm. We only and know maybe all his Arizona friends East Mark. Coast have been invented. Could be. Or he just isn't speaking to them anymore. Right. Because if this was used to speak to That's them. That's what I'm saying. Maybe well, he's, he's letting his parents to them think well, that yeah. he has this slew of friends. Well, really, if you're wanting to stay in touch year, with your friends back East, too. building a ham radio would not have been the first maybe or second telephone, choice on my list. Maybe they could have been in the AV club together. Oh, no, He's definitely that. AV related. He is. This much. I mean, there could have been a reason or why the ham radio was a nice letter on some red stationery. The logistics of building an FM transmitter, it's hmm. not like you get it out of the back of a comic book or something. That's pretty, it's just pretty involved stuff. Well, mm-hmm. that's why I'm, I'm thinking there was a reason for that. That we right, just there's don't a lot know of backstory. That's the problem yeah. with being just we, thrown into something instead we of don't get a, a lot beginning. Of about that, except for his his home life with his parents, which is pretty dicey. But I like that because that is the character of Mark. Like right. you're, 
he the ambiguity to him, you know. I don't think that the the that his no, and they're not uh, horrible parents, parents either, was that dicey. Really. I think they were. No, they wanted more no, out of him, but he all. just like, didn't right, want to right, get right. it. Like sometimes you want to be yeah, closed it, off. It, exactly. they, they were letting they were him, him be mm-hmm. Mark and not trying so, to intrude too much on his stuff. But at the same time, we know his dad is, I don't know. was into the Grateful Dead at some point because he has all the posters sure. up in his little office. One thing that yeah. jumped. Well, I don't know. Man. One thing that jumped out to me was when he, we first see the parents, he goes to the bookshelf and pulls an album off the shelf. I don't know if you noticed this, but the album he pulls is a Jimmy Swaggart gospel album. Ooh. I, I wrote down the name here somewhere. That ex- oh, yeah. That it's explains a lot. Jimmy then. Swaggart's gospel album called You Don't Need to Understand. Now, I don't know why it was that record. I don't know why his parents would own a copy of that record unless it came with the bookshelf. But you know what? There you don't need to in. understand that, Jason. <laughs> and he looks at it and goes, hey, maybe there's something good. I don't get why that one. I think I, I think the title has something to do. I think maybe the title was just an ironic nice little, touch. Not uh, to what goes by so fast. I actually paused it three or four times to figure out what yeah. album it was. And so I was looking at the Wild Cherry Diet Pepsi cans. Was there one? One? I, I don't think there many. was. Yeah, there were. There I were, saw a Diet were. Pepsi. No, it's actually Wild Cherry. Is it? Because I, I looked and I thought maybe they doctored it and wrote Wild Cherry on there, but that uh, was the design. That's at it. the base, there was a cock ring. <laughs> that was the nice thing about Wild Cherry Pepsi back in the day. The cans were bigger you than a baby's cock arm. on the table. <laughs> I did like that. That's how he tricks the two girls into giving up their frauds. <laughs> asking about, it was bigger than a baby's arm. <laughs> could not stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the FCC comes down, decides they're going to find him, bust him, because I guess the only reason they did it was because they're, he is getting rebroadcast somehow across Outside state lines, state, which yeah. they never really explained well, very well. Well, the kids selling those tapes. That's not rebroadcasting, though. No, but I mean, somebody's putting it out there. Yeah. Now it's, it's yeah. growing. He, he's a threat to their formerly peaceful town. So does that mean, like, is that is that... Somebody has another pirate station right. across the state line. Like, how or does it could that be work? College radio station, and it would just be somebody that's just like, I have nothing yeah. to it could say. Be. So well, I'm this sort of thing did happen. Guys. That's weird. One story that comes to my mind is Captain Video. This is a little bit obscure, but in the early days of HBO, uh, there was a limit, on the a limit on their broadcasting they power. They can only transmit so much up to the satellite. And this guy, and this guy in Arizona, himself calling himself video. Captain Video took all his money and he built a series of transmitters in his on his ranch. And I remember seeing this live. I was watching Falcon and the Snowman one afternoon <laughs> on HBO and you could see this little static start coming up. Like, what the hell is this? And then it got a little bit bigger and what was happening was he was boosting his signal and HBO was boosting theirs until they hit their limit with the FCC and he just went right past him and overtook all of HBO's broadcast and put up a test pattern that says, this is Captain Video... Why are we paying for cable? This is something like that. And it was up for like 20, 30 seconds. Pure anarchy. Yeah. Before HBO got a hold of somebody at the FCC and said, are we allowed to go over our limit? This guy's on top of us. And they boosted back up again. But it was entirely possible to get your hands on whatever equipment you damn well wanted to, to broadcast onto anything you wanted to broadcast on. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And now Radio Shack is dead. But no, this happened a lot. It wouldn't surprise me at all if somebody piggybacked the signal and rebroadcast it. Yeah. But I think it was more to do with they were terrified of what was happening mm. to their children. They're yeah, exactly. The children, the children were starting think. to think for their damn selves. I mean, that's what a lot of, yeah, that's what a lot of films mm-hmm. then were about. Like, children pulling away from just the 
not quite as violently. As you know this, what I mean? But yeah. <laughs> no, but that's also a good point. With his at parents, the leash. we don't see them as horrible people at all. Just clueless. He's just. <laughs> no, and his dad actually like took up for the kids who had been uh, let go of school under poor circumstances yeah. and things like that. But he he doesn't see that yeah. though. Yeah, his dad ends up being the he voice just of reason. Care. We get his that parents great, are his parents, and he just doesn't want to. We get that great scene that. at the end where he's looking yeah. at the file as like talking about how she was illegally kicking kids out of school, and Deaver speaks up is like they're just kids, and you see everybody just kind of look at him like, "Shut up, Deaver." <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it's useless the whole damn movie. But yeah, I, the parents seemed didn't seem to have much of an idea of what was happening. Yeah, I, I love that. Like, oh yeah. my god, that was horrible. Fuck. Horrible. But he, there was no sound effects. I played it back again just to make sure. Like, he never leaps <laughs> over a, a fence or anything. Bionic hey, did, did any of you ever have contact with your high school guidance counselor? Did you know there was one at your high I school? I knew there was one, but I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't associate. Yeah. I had yeah, one run-in with our high yeah. school guidance counselor. And, well, we didn't actually meet, but I broke into his office one night mm, while we were in. on his desk? Uh, no, I actually got his appointment calendar and wrote "get butt waxed" on one or two of the dates, oh, and just fine. left it there. And Why would you take? So, shit do from you somewhere? know? Did he end up getting? We were definitely different types they of. They high never school found students. out it was me until now. So sorry. <laughs> until now, <laughs> he might yes, be thanking you because he was like, "I still yeah, have." Scholarly. I wasn't going to get my butt waxed, but when traumatized I him for life, hit hit too close to home, and now he'll never be the same. Yeah. <laughs> You started a habit I haven't been able to get under control for 30 years. You're being pretty generous with the 30 years there, buddy. But yeah. I know. I was trying. I was making up for the Jesus joke. got a lot of road to cover to make up for that one there. Jesus. Okay, well, sit there with your whistling hip then. Jesus. (laughs) Okay, the one topic. It's like the most peculiar. Perhaps one of the most important... Is that Jason? Yeah, that's him walking down the road. You had something you wanted to add, Nathan? (laughs) No, I just think out of all the important issues within this film that are relevant, um, one we haven't discussed is the father, played by Scott Paulin, right? That's the issue? Well, okay. And the FCC guy is James Hampton. Oh. Teen Wolf, yo. Paulin and Bees? Oh. You said F true. Yeah, I said Teen Wolf earlier. Yeah, but Scott- Teen Wolf Dad. <laughs> no, he said Teen Wolf. Right, I did. He Scott did Ballin. say Teen Wolf as well. Scott Pollan's also in Teen Wolf. Put the audio back. Ah. Yeah. So he's been typecast oh, as a teacher type for his entire pretty career. Much. Pretty much. That's kind of sad. Because those are like the two movies I think of the most. Wait, he's also in Captain America, isn't he? He is? Well, you're kind of a dork. Skull. How about this movie? In the 1990 Captain America. 1990 Captain America? That yeah. could be. I thought I thought no, you were saying the new no, one. No, the one where no, no 1991. Where anyway, he, um, he rides a motorcycle. Movie. I think for most of the time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he is because they made him Italian. I'd have to go one, under some sort of regressive no hypnosis to remember anything about that movie. I, I don't. I don't recall. That yeah. could be right though. Could be right. And also, Alan Coleman as the DHL Postal Center clerk. He was in David Cronenberg's Shivers. Not at all. I'm not reading this from a screen. Nathan, <laughs> you were right. He played a UPS shipping clerk. <laughs> he is Red Skull. Yeah. 1990 Captain America. 
Thank you, Kate. Our uh-huh. Listeners, Thank my you. dear listeners, do not take this to mean we're at all recommending the 1990 version of Captain America. If you can somehow find it, please, no. Oh, Don't do this to yourself. Blu-ray. You can get it easy. It's one of the cheaper ones. Who did, who did Hasselhoff play? He, he Nick was, Fury. Yeah, he was Nick Fury. Was yeah. he Nick? Yeah, he was Nick Fury. For some reason, I was thinking he was Punisher. I know Dolph Lundgren was, but I thought there was some weird Punisher movie with David Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff well, as the Punisher would have been absolute to die I think for. Yeah, if you were to watch some of his movies, you feel like you got punished. Sort of like that Don Knotts Phantasm crossover we were talking about earlier. <laughs> I just enjoy that. Film. It was god the incredible, Mister Tall Man. Yeah. <laughs> the shakiest spear in the West. The- Tall man and Mr. Chicken. <laughs> it's been amazing. But anyway, you're the tall man and Mr. Chicken. What were you going to say about the DHL clerk in this movie? That why would his last name be Chicken? Yeah, because he is. That's the joke. <laughs> I know. I was tied to DHL. DHL clerk. You were about to say something very. Anyway, the actor that plays him, Alan Coleman. Yes. Was also in David Cronenberg's Shivers. Okay. Yeah. But you go back and you watch the scene that he's in when the, when they try to get the address of Christian Slater's character. Mm-hmm. Does he not look like David Schwimmer's dad? He does. Thank you. He does look like David Schwimmer's dad. The guy that makes the, the fruit snacks, the trail mix? You lost. You lost. Yeah, was, we'll we'll circle back on that. We'll circle back. It was a pull from Curb. Jesus. It was from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Whenever David Schwimmer said his dad makes oh. trail mix, and Larry really Damn liked it. That is a good. One. Larry was like, "Could you put a couple of extra cranberries in there or something?" That's a good and one. It's like I'm not going to tell my dad to do. It's that. even better that's when you funny. explain the joke like this too. I know that's no, the best it's part. Sad, about I, mean, get I didn't get it because I've never seen it, so at least I have. That's a brilliant show. Oh, okay. I want okay. to. It's on my list. You should. Yeah, you, that would be weird. It would actually be weird if you did get the reference. Did anybody, else, anybody else think that we get two actual police officers in this movie who basically kind of do nothing but think the whole thing's kind of a big joke? Saying that that's how cops are? No, no, just these two. <laughs> and the Keystone cops. I mean, he gets the joke about the post office being registered to Chuck Hugh Farley. Like yeah, that, he is appreciative <laughs> at least. Yeah. When they give the fake name. Ah. There John Saxon. Just, just let them go. Hmm. Oh, the, kids are kids. The new exchange. They get mailboxes and make yeah. pirate radio stations. What's, what was the other? I was trying to think of this the other day, Nathan. Maybe you remember. There was another movie. I want to say it was late 70s about a pirate radio station that operated out of a van. Citizens Band? No. Could have been. With Paul Lamott? That could be. I don't remember very little about it other than... It was 70, so there was a van. Savannah Smiles? That could have been it, but that was 83. I don't think so, Joe. That, was it? Okay. You're close. You're on to something here. But there was a, something similar to this, but it was done much earlier. Yeah. Because I was thinking about the logistics of broadcasting from a moving vehicle like that. I think they've done this in a movie before, and I can't remember what it is, but that could have been Citizen's Band. It's been ages since I've seen that. That's the only one that I comes to mind. Since Maybe somebody's favorite. Well, I don't think it was ever no. released on video. Ooh, that could be why. It's been a very brief time since I've heard of it. Even Joe would agree. Mm. Yeah. Just heard of it. He gets busted, but his audience is ready to take over for him, and somehow they all learn how to build pirate radio stations and start broadcasting. Yeah. Are we back on Pump Up the Volume, yes. or are you talking about the other one? No, we're talking okay. about uh, Smurfs yeah. and the Magic Flute yeah. right now. Mm. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Which is not a terrible thing. I mean, you, 
you hear some good clips in that ending montage where the one woman starts up a whole station to talk about teenage runaways and the seriousness of that situation, which is nice. That, that's a thing. Most of them, for whatever reason, say, can anyone hear me? Like they're expecting a voice to come back through the microphone at yeah. them from somebody listening. I don't know if they know how audio yeah. works, but okay, whatever. It's just a show. It's the juxtaposition of like, well, also, oh, there's going to be the smart kids and there's still like going to be Mark's some dummies. Character. Yeah. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that just because they're broadcasting, it means somebody's going to be listening. Yeah. Kind of like making a podcast. Yeah. True. Damn, Joe. Movies. Really, way to bring the show down there. So, Thanks, man. It's a level of real I bring I liked, to the table, I liked my the, the end with showing that the people were oh. out doing it themselves because it showed the impact, the lasting impact mm-hmm. of what Mark did. So it had poignancy. Yeah. I'm kind of curious of what he his died, final uh, punishment would, was. Well, he like, was under was 18, the, so probably not I find not it really peculiar um, that they wanted to so. put no, I don't think so. the death of Malcolm on whoever was broadcasting. Like, he killed him, and he didn't do that. Right. Yeah. Now, I don't see that sticking, though. No, but that's pretty yeah. much their first complaint sure. that they could have against him. So that's why I was asking that earlier. Do you think that was enough to like push him over. Like if they if they were gonna look at it that way, they could say that he was the catalyst for it all. I think when he wasn't. They certainly wanted I think to. it was more for Paige whenever she yeah. uh you know committed arson. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Like because well, he's like, do it, do something, do something crazy. Yeah, that whole month, that whole month. She's like, oh cool, I'm gonna put a bunch of shit in the microwave and sit. That's what I'm talking her about. Boyfriend uh, killing who hasn't? <laughs> shit. Then I'm going to go get a nose job. I think she got hit by one of the pearls that flew out of the microwave. And it's, that's what that's I don't what think happened. so. That, the uh, bandages okay. look too much like cosmetic surgery. Whether it's cosmetic surgery or just a nose injury. Fine. What's wrong with look, big man, noses? She yeah. had a big nose before. Okay, I wasn't going to say it. Now she has a small nose. Her broadcast, her voice was significantly yeah, different. Yeah, what are you, a Jennifer Gray sympathizer? I mean, I have a big nose. That was my sympathy there. Hmm. <laughs> We'll never know how long Mark and Nora's little revolution lasted. There sadly was no follow-up or sequel to pump up the volume. Not that it necessarily uh, needed wait, one. Nathan, do you have uh, the sequel novelization? The sequel novelization, I do not. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think there. Pump up the volumes. <laughs> Keep pumping. <laughs> volume two. Still pumping. <laughs> volume two. Still pumping. <laughs> Transistor Boogaloo. Transistor. Oh, we've talked oh. about this though, Nathan. You, you can't just stick the word though. Boogaloo after every movie that's a sequel. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm definitely it's on Nathan's how, side for this. It's not how Thank that you, works. Kid. It's been killed. It's killed. What? I'm Wait, a millennial. She's Generation Z or whatever. <laughs> oh, how young did you think I was? I'm definitely not Gen oh, Z. That's what it is. Millennial. You're a millennial. Yeah, I don't know those big words. You're like, <laughs> what did say? 12, 13? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where Jason hangs out these days. Uh, right here. This is where I <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't left here. And cut. This is where I hang out these days. So, pump up the volume. <laughs> Recommend it to everyone. Everyone should see this movie. It is a classic yes. piece of 1990 filmmaking. Holds up well today still. Will always mm-hmm. be socially relevant. Always be socially relevant. Definitely. Always something you can take from just this. In the, it, like you said, in the way of uh, John Hughes movies, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it, it, it captured that voice. Mm-hmm. Right. It captured the way that kids talk. 
So with that, we'll draw this episode to a close, my friends. Thank you all for listening to the Smooth Thrills Radio Hour. Until we're back again next time, eat your cereal with a fork, do your homework in the dark, and talk hard. A newer man, Bojangles in, he danced for you. In worn-out shoes. And with that, another show has drawn to a close. Thank you for listening. The Smooth Thrills Radio Hour is a production of Ghostcraft and is recorded live in Dallas, Texas. Please email your questions and comments to autopilot at smooththrillsradiohour.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. And then he lightly touched down. I met him in a cell. In New Orleans I was Well I was down and out He looked to me to be the very eyes of age As he spoke right out Talked of life Lord, he talked of life <laughs> Laughed, slapped his leg a step He said his name was Bojangles Then he danced a lick Right across the cell